wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Hey, welcome to Auto Off Topic. How are you, Brad? Uh, I'm not bad, Andrew. I'm not bad. Got through Thanksgiving, moving on to Christmas, and then uh, 2023, right? Yeah. Holidays uh, are upon us. We have like a month to Christmas. Yeah, today's the 28th, so a little under. Did you get any Black Friday deals for car stuff? Uh, No. I didn't nope. do anything on no. I didn't even. I'm I'm in such a place right now with cars that I don't know what I want to spend money on. I don't have anything that was like time to buy something because everything is either awaiting me to work on it or awaiting me to get rid of it or figure it out. So and unfortunately, nobody was doing Black Friday deals for like shipping cars. So yeah, that'd be know. pretty funny. Yeah, that's 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 the one thing I absolutely need right now is that. So, yeah, they no, I didn't like, even look too much for deals. I should have. I, I mean, everybody does deals. It's kind of crazy. Like, uh, I I bought some like sanding and flat discs from this company, and because when I was doing the bumper for the Montero, and like I'm getting emails from them like last day of the Black Friday sale, and it's like I really don't need. Like a Black Friday sale on abrasives. But you might as well, because you're going to use them anyway. I well still have ones left over that I didn't use, because I bought like oh, okay. a good amount. Because it was a good deal for like the four-inch cutoff discs that go on the electric Ryobi cutoff wheel. So I have plenty yeah, of Yeah, right actually, that's not true. I did buy some more polishing compound, because I ran out when I was prepping the... 944 for Radwood. I ran out of the uh, C4 polishing compound from Chemical Guys, and they were doing 25% off all chemicals. So I did buy one bottle of (laughs) polish. I forgot I bought that. That's the blue bottle? It's like a baby blue color, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a bottle I haven't opened yet. I wanted to use it on one of the cars because it said it was clear coat safe. Yeah, I think that would... So you use that... And then you can either go straight to the wax or use the P3, which is the uh, slightly less abrasive polish. I think that would make the the G20 pop. That was the plan. I just hadn't gotten to it. Sure. Well, and I was going to plan now. Yeah, I was going to try it on the Q45 first because it's silver. Yeah. And it's pretty forgiving. Well, I, I used it on the Cressida and that car's clear coated. So hmm. no issue at all. 
No issue. Actually, half of the 944 is clear coated, and I use it on that. So it worked out well. I don't know if you saw, I mean, pictures never tell the truth, but man, that, that car came out really nice this time after doing it the actual right way and, and finishing the job. Whereas last time I just compounded it and it was shiny for like two weeks and then it died back. Whereas this time here, I, I compounded it and then polished it and then waxed it over with the nice wax. So it's I shamed up. you into waxing it. Yeah, it's holding up really nice. Well, I couldn't take it to Radwood without doing it again, so I'd do it again. So yeah, it's holding up quite well this time. So, anyway, yeah, so I, that was the only thing I got on Black Friday at all. I don't think I bought anything. I think we went to Home Depot and didn't buy any Black Friday special stuff. We just bought dirt. No, they didn't have the dirt we wanted to buy. So we bought the dirt. At, I, don't even, I don't even remember anymore. I don't even remember. I bought something at Home Depot. But it wasn't a special, so it's not even worth talking about. Hmm. We bought dirt this weekend. Like, literal dirt. So. Interesting. Yeah. Not really. So interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Great podcast content. (laughs) I guess if I got the dirt really wet and drove back and forth through it in a car, it could be off-roading and get my car all muddy. Yeah. But, no. It was just uh, to fix an area of the lawn that got damaged by... Uh, canine friends. So we had uh, some visiting and we have multiple dogs running around the yard. It hurts the lawn a little bit. if They kind of use the same path. So that was our our big four day weekend plan was to fix the lawn. Well, well, I did some car stuff. But you want to stop talking about lawns and home improvement podcast? Yeah. I mean, I finally broke and I bought a tune. The Volkswagen. Okay. That was a Black Friday special? It was. That's cool. Like 100 bucks off. So. That's killer. And, and that takes yeah. the Volkswagen from slow to slower or slow to not as slow? Well, I think it's like 168 or 170 or something horsepower in the factory. Okay. So, I mean, maybe you saw it in the chat, the Discord. You'd know all about this if you were in our Discord, by the way, listeners. Advertising time. <clears throat> the um, How much horsepower do you think it gains? Well, it's a turbo car. Yeah. So turbo cars always do well with tunes because, I mean, essentially they just crank up the boost and fuel, right? Pretty much. So I remember when I had a 1.8T car, it was like 70 horsepower on a, the, the cheapest tune, the, the small, smallest tune. It was a big number, 60 or 70 horsepower, and like a same number torque. So I was going to assume it's somewhere around there. You are right on the money. I mean, this is a 1.8T okay. T car, so uh, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, it is 70 horsepower, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a big number. That's a, that's like fifty percent more almost. And so basically, it takes it to like what a stock WRX would be at the crank, right? But it doesn't have a boxer engine, so it sounds better. Ah, uh, it's not gonna sound like anything. It doesn't have exhaust. It just sounds right normal. But I did 
I did buy one of their intakes because it was also on sale. Excellent. Matching intake to the company. So what company is this? Integrated Engineering, which I'd never heard of, but supposedly it's pretty good. Okay. I've never heard of it either. Definitely. uh, When I look at buying electronic tunes from my car, no name brands are where I go as well. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Cobb's like the big brand, I guess. Sure. Then there's like APR. There's like a couple different ones. I don't know. This one had not a lot of them advertise for the all track and the, and the sports bike. It's usually like GTI golf R. So I don't know. Well, I've never heard of them, but I mean, they come ECS sells them, right? So ECS sells it. Well, ECS and FCP Euro sell their products. So like okay. I could have so bought you, the intake. So they have to be FCP good. Euro. Yeah, they're not like some eBay tuning company. Right. I wonder if it's a company that used to be called something else that has changed. I have no idea. It seems like they've been around for a while. Hmm. Their marketing is pretty polished. I I don't know. I didn't. They didn't have bad reviews on their website. (laughs) Sweet. Well, I mean, the carbon fiber intake you got, you sent a picture of it and it's really pretty. It's really nice. I, I don't think that they make bad stuff. Yeah, no, I'm sure they don't. And again, if stuff that's sold by ECS and FCP, I pretty much trust without much extra thought behind it because they usually do a lot of research before they offer parts. I only... So... I actually only originally was going to do the intake because I wanted the, the turbo. It gives you some more turbo noise, right? Sure. And... It was one of the only ones that worked without a tune. Like it was there like, no, you, you don't have to tune the car if you don't want to. You can just put the intake on. Okay. But the uh, tune is complemented by having the intake. So it was also on sale. So I just bought it all. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, uh, I'm into it. I, I can't wait to feel the difference or hear the difference, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the car always felt quick enough. It was never something that you'd say was fast, but it was definitely, you know, it was a quick little car. So now this will probably make it like a legitimately faster car, I guess, right? Everybody is like, when basically anytime you do a stage one, whatever tune it is to one of these cars, everybody's like, this is probably what it should have been from the factory. Right. Because I think it brings it closer to like a GTI. That price isn't bad either. I'm on their website right now, just looking at it, and that's no, not for 70 horsepower. Yeah, that's that's a that's less than I thought it was based on my experience with Volkswagen products and the tuning software in the past. You know, that's that's pretty good. Same legit to me. Yeah, no, I, I listen. I again, if FCP and ECS sell it, I'm not going to worry about it. So, I mean, even the intake you bought isn't super expensive either. Like. I'm impressed. It was so, nice. It's I, a nice looking part. It's got all aluminum yeah, parts. Yeah, you, all showed, you showed me the picture and it, it looks like it's in good shape. The part you, you received. So, but mm-hmm. pricing wise, I mean, like I said, it's not, it's not super expensive. Yeah. And I like it with that cover, that carbon cover. Cause then it looks almost like it's a factory piece. Yep. So. Yeah. Nobody would open the hood and see that it's obviously an intake. So when yeah. you're driving around in California, you won't get arrested. <laughs> Out of state plates, doesn't matter. 
I know, but still. <laughs> no, I like it. It looks really good. I've never heard of the company, but I will uh, I, I will withhold any judgment based on the fact that you obviously did some research. And like I said, FCP and ECS probably wouldn't offer their parts if they weren't. I mean, I didn't do a ton because I you go down that road of like, what's the best tune? And you'll just end up going in circles because it'll just oh, yeah, perform posts of people arguing over it. It's kind of like the whole what's the best oil to run argument on the Internet. You just don't deal with it. Generally, off the shelf stage one tunes. Pretty safe bet. Yeah. And they're um, not super aggressive. No, they're not. Uh, even off the shelf stage two stuff. When you started getting into custom tunes and having a specific person tune the car, that's when you have to have like someone who knows what they're doing and a place that you trust. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> so that's where I'm at with that. But anyway. Well, it's funny because I, I, I don't know this company, but I also haven't been in the modern Volkswagen world since like 2004 or five, except for diesel stuff. So, yeah, it's I don't I don't this is probably a company that's been around and has been, you know, pretty good for a while. And I just don't know anything about it. So, well, and they mostly do a lot of the modern stuff, the MBQ stuff. That's what it looks like. I see all their stuff is like 2006 up. So 2007 up. I don't see anything pre-Mark 6 on their website. So anyway, cool. I'm, I'm excited for that. It's, I like that you've gone from being frustrated with the car to just being like, you know what? Screw it. If I'm going to be frustrated with it, I might as well hot rod it a little. Well, like I said, it's like I'll just run that cleaner every other oil change and the check engine light comes on for that code. Okay. Time to do a walnut blast. Right. And I'll just do it myself. It's like, whatever. Yeah. And I think we were talking on the, on the, on the discord earlier. Like if you're going to be annoyed by the car and you're going to need a walnut blast anyway, why not just modify it and make it more fun to be annoyed? Yeah. Make it, make it worth getting annoyed over it. Is basically what I'm saying. Exactly. Seems to be the way. Um, cool. Well, we do it really Yeah, so speak, speaking of uh, project cars with minor annoyances, the Montero gas gauge has never quite worked since I've owned it. Okay. Um, sometimes it would just drop off the bottom. I'm like, I know I have gas in the tank. Because after I realized it didn't work, I've always, every time you fill it, you know, you reset the Odo. And then I got the scan gauge and that does, that'll track fill-ups and it, it's pretty accurate at giving you gallons to empty. So I'll usually double check it against that. And I'm like, all right, I got 10 gallons to empty. So it's really, you should be a little under half. Uh, we're good to go. So I was like, well, I was looking at another uh, Montero part supplier which is like Luso Overland. And I got okay. some belt line moldings for a good price. Because mine are like peeling back to the aluminum or stainless, whatever the heck they're made out of. Uh, so I got all four for like cheap. And then they have like little OEM stuff. Like the prop rod clip was like broken. So I like bought that for a couple bucks. And then really inexpensively they had 
like aftermarket sending units because I guess it's fairly common for them to go bad. I was like, oh, let me try one of those because I'd already replaced the fuel gauge from a junkyard cluster and it, and it was doing change. the same thing. Yeah, I just put the original one back in because the tack wasn't working. So I was like, well, maybe the cluster's bad and just certain components. So I changed it. Didn't work. Um, so I swapped out the sending unit and I didn't really dig through the service manual first because I thought I was pretty much on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it was like pretty easy. Well, super easy because it's got that hatch in the back. You go through the floor and the truck's not rusty at all. So it came right out. Plug in the new one. I know it's got like a half a tank because it's like a 24 gallon tank estimated is like 12 gallons left the mileage on the odoo on the odoo the mileage on the uh, odo is like 150 because the thing will do like 300 to like 325 350 to a tank so I'm like, yeah it should should be around a half put it in it reads like almost empty like cool that's cool so it's not that either so I post about this. A couple of people are like, well, you got to sometimes you got to adjust those sending units, which I was like, that seems kind of weird. I've never heard of doing that. But I'll look into it. I remember there was one car I was dealing with that had on the sending unit. You had to check. You had to run it like through its sweep of its arm and check the resistance as it went along the arm. And you had to like set it at full to a certain resistance in order to make it correct. I don't remember what car that was though, but that sounds like what they're talking about. Yeah. That's basically what it was. Once I dug through the service manual. Okay. Uh, it gave you a measurement of height of where it should be and also a resistance. Okay. That it should from its full swing. Um, so I had the old one out. Like, let me plug in the old one, hook it up to my meter. I've double checked that I had the right resistance measurement setting on the meter a couple times because I've put it on the wrong one before. Yes, we all have. And sure enough, like the resistance just doesn't change. Hmm. Like it just stays so, constant. It doesn't matter if I move it fast or slow. It doesn't do anything. Is the new part bad? So I, I went. This is after I put the. I, this is the next day I took the truck apart again. I took the old, the new sending unit I put in out. Well, before I did that, I did the test according to the service mail to check the fuel gauge in the in the cluster. One of the pins at the where it plugs into the sending unit. You ground that pin, and the gauge should go up. Sure enough, it goes all the way up to full. I'm like, perfect. That means that gauge so is working. So the gauge is working fine. Yeah. Right. Oh, I also went through and found the two parts, the two points in the truck where it says the fuel gauge grounds and the sending unit grounds to the body. And I made sure those were nice and clean and had raw metal touching them. First of all, they weren't corroded. 
but the one under the back seat was just touching paint and the screw into the body was what the ground was. So I, I sanded it down to bare metal and it's touching bare metal now. Okay. Now you're trying to not solve it from so, there. Yeah. Well, I, I sprayed it over now with like uh, stuff to keep it from corroding. Yeah, of course. So, you know, I did the basics, right? Like the grounds are clean, which is nine times out of 10, you can check grounds and it'll solve an electrical problem. Yep. So now I take the new sending unit out, did the same resistance test. It's it's giving me the same resistance as the other one, but not again, not moving. Like doesn't matter if I swing the arm fast or super slow. It doesn't change. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't. I'm like, the only thing that could be happening is you could just be on the wrong connectors. If I went on the wrong connectors, I didn't get any resistance. It was just showed open because there's three plugs or three pins. One pin is for the fuel light. One is for the fuel gauge. Or two of them are for fuel gauge. does, Does the level center itself also need to be grounded in the vehicle. If you ground, like ran a ground wire from that to the vehicle itself to, to ground it in order to make it read right. That's not what the service manual says to do. It just says to check the resistance just between the two thinking pins. outside the box now because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So I remember another car I had, it may have been the Brown Colt. I had a similar issue and it was just, it was the resistance on the back of the actual gauge was the issue and just had to be cleaned up. So, but obviously you've checked the gauge and the gauge is fine. So it's not the gauge. Yeah. I mean, the cluster on this thing is basically all electronic. It doesn't even have a speedo cable going into it. Right. It's got like a a ribbon connector, like a PC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Colt didn't have that. The Colt was individual gauges, but that's an older vehicle by 20 years. So that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. I was like, well, you know what? An OEM one from my overseas part sources, isn't that expensive? It was like 80 bucks. I was like, I'll just order the OEM one. Yeah. I guess send back the other one. If it's not, I probably can't electric. Because I don't know what else it would be other than the sending unit. If the gauge works and like, I mean, I suppose I didn't check the continuity and the plug to ground in the car. I'm just assuming the grounds are good because I clean them. Well, and it also does do something. Like it goes to full when you fill it, right? And then... It doesn't go to full. It goes to three quarter. It goes up. Yeah, just all the way. But then sometimes it'll just drop. Or the old one at least would drop out. Like you'd sometimes get it. Sometimes it would go to full. Sometimes it go to half on a full tank. And sometimes you get to a half tank and it would drop below E. I feel like all of my old cars do this. I'm not sure why. And it's probably a similar electrical connecting problem somewhere. Because I know like the blue Colt. When I fill it, it goes to full. It doesn't move until it's at like three quarter and then it drops to three quarter. 
and then it works properly between three quarter and a half. And then once it hits a half, it just dumps to E. So I just go off the odometer and I reset 200 miles each time just to make sure. Yeah, it might just be in the switch that provides resistance inside the sending unit. It's just worn out. Yeah, very well could be. I don't know. I think they all do it. The 944 does it. That car does it. Um, they're all kind of, they're all a little wonky. But I've never had one that. Car life. It's been a little weird lately sometimes to, to get it to go to full. That was after I dropped the tank and put it back in. So maybe the sending unit got a little bent, but jostled around. But it's yeah, fairly know. it's fairly accurate. So it's like an for, right? But I I even tried adjusting the throw of the new one where I had it so it at the lowest point sat a little bit higher and actually was So that's the weird the other weird thing too. So using the measurements the original one is out of spec. And so was the new one. The same spec, though. Same. Yeah, that's weird. That's why I was confused. I'm like, why would you need to adjust these? <laughs> They're both. I was like, these are both the same. Why would I adjust it? Because somebody was like, match up the old one to the new one. It's like, well, they're the same. Also, but according to the service it, manual. Work. Yeah. But according to the ser- service manual, they're, all, they're both out of spec. So. I bent the lower stop on the new one up to where it's supposed to be and then bent the upper stop a little bit further. So to where it should be, because in theory, if it can go further, it should read higher on the gauge. If I'm thinking of that correctly. If the lever goes further down, you mean if it goes further up, right? The float goes further up. So the end of the lever goes down on the, Right? No. The float moves the lever up. Oh, is it? Is it not a pivot point? The pivot point is at the top of the sending unit where it's, it hangs in the tank. Okay. And pivots up. So like the float would go up and touch the top of the tank, I guess. That was the other thing. I pulled this new one out and like the way the truck was sitting, like gas was like rolling out of the tank because it was so full. Mm-hmm. I'd like overfilled it. So interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. That doesn't make much sense. It all seems simple enough. It's all very simple electronics. You know what I mean? It's not a complicated system. I, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, here's a simple project I can do in a couple hours while the kid's napping. And yeah. now I'm going to be, now I've done it twice. And now I'm going to do it a third time. Yeah. And now you've bought the part twice. Yeah. That's yeah, frustrating. All for like, it's just a minor thing that I was like, you know what? I've got a lot of the other car projects done. Let me take care of this little minor one. Yep. Well, it's it's never it's never as easy as it seems. It always winds up being complicated. I can tell you that. So I mean, in the end, if it doesn't, if it just acts up, that's just the way it is. But it's just a curious little thing to solve. Yeah, no, it's it's good that you're at that level with the vehicles, though, because that means everything else is done, right? Yeah, so, for the most part. No complaints. I mean, the truck still clacks away, but it doesn't. Yeah, but it, it runs fine. Who so cares? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It just keeps it was running weird the other day. I ended up just cleaning the mass airflow mayor, and it seems to run great now. So, 
Well, speaking of projects that should be quick and easy and aren't. Yeah. I have two of those that I've been doing. Uh, one is the 944. The hood will not stay up on its own. Yeah. So I bought new prop rods for it. Prop rods, uh, excuse me, like the gas. Pistons. pistons. Yep. That should be easy. Dead. You're absolutely right, Andrew. That Are they hard to get off the pivot easy points? Project. No, they're very easy to get pivot points. Okay. In fact, that's the problem. So the passenger side one came off just fine. Okay. I put the new one on. The driver's side one, um, when I went to take it off, the pivot ball yeah. exploded. What do you mean exploded? It just fell apart. The pivot ball? Yes. Like the, it's metal? It just fell apart? Yes. Yep. Oh, you should be able to get it. Yeah, it's just, it's annoying. I might have some actually. Sometimes it, the new pistons come with them too. No, these did not. They're a, thre- huh. it's a threaded in piece. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a ball socket with like a metric thread on it. Yep. I had some extras that came with the Q45. I don't know if they're the same size. Well, apparently it must have been under extra tension. Because it mangled the fender where it goes in. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that it was already mangled because there's no way the pressure I put on it mangled the fender. So my assumption is at some point somebody probably closed the hood with something inside of it. And it are up in that cowl area and it bent that piece. So it was probably like hung on by a thread. Hmm. So it just came apart when I tried to take it apart. So... I was like, well, at least I have one new one in there. That should be enough to hold the hood open for now. It's not. So I have one nice new shock goes over in there. and uh, But the threads aren't messed up, right? They're destroyed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it doesn't thread into the inner fender. There is. Have you ever taken a fender off of a car and on top of the apron, the fender apron, it has like those stanchions to bolt the fender to? They're like thin sheet metal, and they can be misaligned pretty easily. It's almost yeah. like a like a C-shaped piece of metal with two, two ears on it welded to the top of the apron. Not quite picturing, but yeah, go on. Okay, anyway, so this is that same setup. It's my fault, so, not your fault. It's a piece of... picture it. It's a thin piece of sheet metal that's like C-shaped, and then has like two ears on it that are welded into the side of the apron. And that's what has the threads on it for the hmm. the the pivot ball and that is just mangled to bits so it's not so, attached to the fender that can be unbolted correct it's a piece of thin sheet metal that's like a c channel shape that's welded to the inner structure of the car so i'm going to have to try to bodywork it the best i can and run a thread chaser through it in order to put a new ball end in it yeah or can you get a riv nut in there for what reason because you can put new threads in oh no but i still have to body work this piece because it doesn't it's not lined up where the piston should go right so if you can't fix the threads if you could if i can't fix the threads i don't i don't have to drill it out at all i can just i sorry let me rephrase that if i can't fix the threads i can just drill it out and i can just put a nut on the back too 
Okay. Okay. Because it's open, okay. it's open to the back, so I I could do it that way. It doesn't. Re- I don't think there's actually enough sheet metal there to like really make a rib nut work. Okay. I think the easiest solution would just be to just put a nut on the back. Just find whatever metric thread it is, probably a you know ten one point two five or whatever, and just put a nut on the back to hold it in. So all is not lost. It just you talk about a project that should have taken me like thirty two seconds, and now it's a whole project. <laughs> Yeah. So I haven't done it yet. Let's put it that way. Um, the Q45 ones were really hard to swap when I did it. Yeah, I didn't sometimes... have the pins to unhook them from the, from okay. the balls. Um, sometimes they're difficult because so the like, hood doesn't open far enough to get the piece on. That's one of the problems I've had in some cars in the past. Like the, yeah. like the, the strut is too far open and you can't like collapse it by hand. Mm-hmm. So you have to like really stretch it, but, but anyway, so that's super annoying. Oh, that reminds me. I noticed the other day when it was cold, Stephanie's cross track, the rear ones were getting a little weak, which makes sense. The cars from 2018 and they're original. So yeah. And the heat definitely affects these things for sure. Oh, the heat there. Yeah. Cause Everywhere. the cold here is what kills them. Well, no, but I'm saying when it's warm out, they stay up. And when it's chilly out, they don't stay up. Oh, well, yeah, because the pressure like, increases. Sure. Like the ones in my uh, on, on the back hatch of the 944 are that way. When's, when the car is sitting out in the sun and it's warm, the hatch will stay up. In the morning when it's, you know, 45 degrees, the hatch won't stay up. Yeah. So, But I'm afraid to change those ones because everybody says when you put new ones in, you just shatter the rear window. So. Yeah, I mean, is it really a big deal? Like just, it's not I bet that deal, window's I'm not that heavy. Like, to just hold I'm just up. gonna leave it alone. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. I have yeah. I have a broom handle in the back of the car. I just use that if I need to. Don't be it's like uh, our buddy Ron there. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I guess what happens is they don't actually shatter the glass, but so there's no. It's like a frameless glass on the back of the 944. Like the hatch mm-hmm. is glass, mm-hmm. and like an how it, yeah, and how it attaches the top when you put new struts in it, it starts separating. I guess. Uh, and I just don't want to deal with it, so I just don't care. I don't use the hatch that much anyway. I just pull stuff from the inside of the car because I don't have the back seat up. I fold it down like all the time. So it doesn't matter. Anyway, so that's one of two product projects that I started that have become an absolute nightmare. The other one is I've talked about it before, but I never actually completed the repair. Just never even started the repair was the idler arm on the Cressida. If you remember, I tried to get one in time to go to L.A. and didn't get it. Yeah. So he just said, screw it and ran the car anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I got the car back, obviously, from L.A., and that was, what, October of last year? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't driven it much since then. I All did right. one other, like, local show with it, but other than that, the car is pretty much sat. So I finally was like, you know what? I got to use this car some more. I got wintertime here, so temperatures are good. Let me swap that idler arm out. I have, like... Three hours worth of time here, not going to be a problem. It's literally three bolts. There are two bolts that hold the bracket to the frame rail, and then there's the one nut on the bottom of the actual arm itself that goes through the drag link in the middle of the car. Yeah. This is going to be easy. What's it stuck on the balls, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you get a pickle fork in there. Nope, not going to work. Why not? 
so the problem is is that the reason one of the reasons that this piece is busted is that the actual ball joint itself that goes into the center link is broken inside the idler arm itself so it has like three and a half inches of slop so the uh, so arm you need, a, need a ball joint uh, separator possibly like the front end toolkit i have three thousand miles away has is that have it's like, got like it... a thing with two fingers that goes would go on one side of the drag link and then a puller or a pusher that would go on that ball joint spindle that's sticking through it and you just crank pop it, up. it out. So it works at the opposite of a steering wheel puller? Yes. Okay. Sort of. Actually, no. It's a, it's a puller. But it's a lot stronger than a normal puller. You might be able to get one at, at Harbor Freight that might work to do this and then shatter, but... Yeah, as long as it works once, I don't care. Because I cannot get it apart. So there's a shoulder on that, that ball joint that goes through, which I'm sure is what's stuck on it. Um, yeah. And I tried literally everything. I mean, I used all of the penetrating oil. I went out and I bought a thing of map gas and a torch. And I did everything blow the car on fire with that. I bet I had the thing glowing red hot that still would come apart. So, you know, I was under there with a three-pound sledgehammer and couldn't make it move. So I was getting uh, getting quite frustrated with that. So unfortunately, I ran out of time because we had a birthday party to go to. And we were supposed to leave the house at 2, and it was 2 o'clock, and I was still lying in the car covered in grease. So I figured it would probably be best to just... Put the car back in the ground, push it back in the garage, and worry about it at a later date. So I'll have to look into the ball joint puller. You know, Naomi was suggesting that there probably is something like that, and I just wasn't thinking straight about it. So I'll give her full credit on making that suggestion. But I just didn't have that part here. And I figured the easiest thing for me to do would be to do the... um, Heat, basically. Oh, look at that. You just sent me a link yeah, for the part you're talking about. Yeah, those are the just the Harbor Freight version of the... Um, I have like an... Um, what's, the, what's the other brand that's not Snap-on? Performance Tools? No, the other old school brand. Oh, Corn- Cornwall? Nope. Craftsman? Nope. I can't think of any more. <laughs> I can't think of where they are, but that's I have like a brand name front end sure. kit that my dad bought used off some guy that only used it once and gave it to me for Christmas. And hey, whatever works. No, it works really good. I've used it a bunch of times because I hate hitting the knuckle on a car to separate a ball joint because I'm always afraid yeah. I'm going to shatter the knuckle. Yeah, I agree with percent <clears throat> I wasn't as worried about it with this car because. If you remember, I got a used idler arm because Naomi went to the junkyard for me that one day. I was working and got one out of a Cressida that was in the junkyard. And she couldn't get it separated in the junkyard either. So she just grabbed the entire drag link and brought it home. So I have a spare drag link if I needed it. <laughs> so I wasn't terribly worried about it. But I uh, this is definitely going to be a better repair. So it looks like that piece just clamps onto the top of the idler arm and you pivot that 
rod up into it, huh? Just put it on the impact. Yeah, one of those tools will you find whichever one fits the best. Right. Hopefully, it's one of the one. The one with the floppy arms is kind of annoying to use. If you can get one of the ones that's fixed, that works better right. to fit in there. And yeah, it just kind of fits against the ball joint, and then the pusher thing you just thread it in. And the thing is, so you're gonna do it right. And like I always use the the ball joint press one all the time. The one that looks kind of like a it's like at like three fingers and it kind of pops the ball joint. So what's gonna happen? You're gonna do it, and you're gonna be like, man, this is really tight. This is really tight. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna break this tool. You go, you go, you go. It's gonna all of a sudden go pop. It's gonna snap out of there. Hmm. So just be aware when you're doing it. So you say, I think I'm gonna break this tool. I think I'm gonna break this tool. But yours is a name brand one. This is a Harbor Freight <laughs> one, so I am gonna break this tool. Well, wear safety glasses, of course. And, um, wear some gloves, <laughs> protect your of hands. Of course. Um, but yeah, it's it'll feel like it'll have a lot, a lot of tension. Oh, well, I mean, and I was literally hitting it with a sledgehammer, and it wasn't moving after burning it to the ground. So I can imagine that uh, it's going to take some serious tension. Like I said, if, if I can't get it, I'll just put the impact on here and well, they're, run it through. The, yeah, the ball joints are tapered, right? So it it just seizes into the the taper just gets stuck into the steel of the drag link. So yep. Yeah, it's gotta be what it is. I mean the car's not rusty, obviously. It's just time and heat cycling and the two parts have become one. Just it will not come apart. But all right, I'll have to go buy one of these tomorrow. And then I'll have to eat some humble pie and uh tell Naomi that she was definitely correct and I just wasn't I couldn't see what I was uh, that's a decent set to have considering the type of cars you have so everything I own owns has multiple ball joints in it because they all have um, non rack and pinion steering they all have you know recirculating ball steering so there's literally three so there's the ball joints themselves and then there's on either end of the drag link there's one plus the idler arm plus the pitman arm are all attached in the same way. So you're right. This tool will not go unused. That's for sure. I should have. Yeah. And I, I think just make sure the nut on that is usually a big standard, like three quarter or something. Yep. So make sure you have something that's like a half inch socket. Yeah. That'll fit no, I that. have a full set of three, uh, uh, half inch, um, SAE stuff. Yeah. So, I bought all that when I got the impact gun. I bought a full set of impact sockets in both metric and standard. Yeah, the impact will work. And then just like a decent length ratchet. I have one that's a like two footer. So. Yeah, you might need to get one that's like a little smaller so you can like actually start to ratchet it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have a smaller (laughs) one too, but I'd say a decent length one to put some impact on it. And if that doesn't work, I do have like a three and a half four foot breaker bar so we'll figure yeah, it out it should should do it before that but yeah i've had good luck with those all right i'll buy this i'll buy this set i'll drop another 90 dollars, andrew they just put a new harbor freight on route one north here oh really right the other one yeah so you remember where the walmart was and then the burger king no, but that's okay. I don't, what town are you in? Saugus. 
Oh, okay. I was way up in Danvers. All right. Yeah, yeah. The two the, the two story Walmart with the weird escalator for the garages. Yeah, because they put a parking garage underneath it because yep. of space. But yeah, they put a Harbor Freight just up the road from that. Like where the Home Depot is. Before. Okay. Interesting. So. Well, I'm. Um. Again, I'm spoiled living here because there's a Harbor Freight every six blocks. So. It's not. Uh, I don't have to drive very far to get one. There's one that's maybe a mile from the house. So yeah, I'm sure I've I'm heard there. from people that they are trying to take the space that uh, Sears left the void. So a lot of their tools are getting nicer. Oh, that would be nice. They have a long way to go for sure. I noticed that our local Ace Hardware has actually, I think it's True Value Hardware now. I feel like. The Craftsman stuff has gone down, though. Well, I don't know, but the True Value hardware has the Craftsman stuff, and they do have the warranty stuff on them still. So, hmm. yeah. Um, and then, of course, everybody raves about the jacks from Harbor Freight. So, I have one. It's fine. Hmm. Just want to use the jack stands. That's all. Yeah. Actually, that's one thing I almost did buy on Black Friday was they had jack stand special at, at Home Depot, and then I did not for whatever reason. I think because they didn't have what I went there for, so I didn't buy anything else. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's my uh, those are my project car half updates that I have for this uh, for this week. I haven't finished anything. I also I haven't gone to a single car event since the last episode because we talked Radwood last episode. I have done nothing. It's just been family stuff and work, so it's kind of cut into the cut into the free time for car stuff right so yeah i will have to make over, so i will have to make up for that because i you will be calling on me to do everything because you are in almost salt season so that's right i will say uh there will be another vehicle here probably not by next podcast but the truck is scheduled so that should be happening pretty soon too uh, if you're in the Discord, maybe I've talked about it. I haven't talked about it here yet, but there's another vehicle coming. It's part of the reason I was selling things. Uh, I am going to sell a couple more things, but the Subaru gets sold. Subaru's gone. Oh, did cool. I not talk about that last week? No, it just sold last week. So I left <sighs> two episodes ago. I was whining about how much of a pain it was to sell the car. You were so. Last Friday, I was leaving for Radwood. So, of course, I get a message on Thursday. Can I look at the car? Sure. Come by and take a look at it. It turned out to be, it was like a 16-year-old kid and a 17-year-old sister. And they're like 26-year-old cousin that was like there to be like the experienced adult. Okay. They came and looked at it. The 16-year-old kid was so happy and giddy. I was like, dude, like, relax. Pretend you don't like it. Pretend you don't want it. Like, don't give away the farm here. And the 26-year-old cousin was like, go sit in the car and shut up. <laughs> so he was super excited about it. And he was talking about how it was so much nicer than the other two Subarus they looked at. So I was like, well, sounds like I'm selling the car. <laughs> hmm. So I had it on the market for 5800 Yeah. Um. They offered me five. I didn't even haggle. I just said, that's fine. 
um, just to get it out of my life. You know what I mean? There hadn't been a lot of action, so let's just move this thing along. So I sold it for 5000 bucks. Mm-hmm. However, they didn't have cash on them that night because, you know, they're kids. So they said, can we pick the car up tomorrow? Now, I was leaving at 1 p.m. to go to Radwood, and I was working from 8 to 1 p.m. So I was like, how am I going to do this? So it happened to be that Courtney was still in town with us. Courtney is Naomi's daughter. She was going to be here on Friday, and I was like, here's the deal. (laughs) Title's filled out. This person's showing up. The deal is $5,000. Don't accept a dime less. If they show up, sell them the car. If they don't show up, life goes on. They're supposed to be here between 4.30 and 5. And she's like, okay, that's cool. I can handle that. All right, cool. So they showed up, I guess, right at 4.30, sold the car. All was well and good. I never heard a peep from them until Sunday of this week. And one of the things that we had replaced in the car was the alternator. Yeah. And the 26-year-old dude called me up and he's like, hey, you said the alternator was brand new, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, it just died. And I was like, oh, typical aftermarket alternators. He goes, well, where did you buy it and under what phone number? And I was like, well, it's from O'Reilly's and it's under my phone number. So he went down and they honored the warranty and got a brand new one. So he fixed it himself. So I didn't worry about it. But he was, I was like trying to, I was like, worst case scenario, I'll buy an alternator. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, I feel bad for the kid because the kid about the car is like 16 years old. It's his first car. You know, I want to kind of give him the best experience I can. But I did sell him a used car. So, but the O'Reilly's did honor the warranty and gave him a new one. And I said, let me know if you run into any more problems. And I never heard back from him. So my assumption is it all went fine. So, yeah, car's been gone now for a week and life is good. Pretty simple, though. You've been driving it. As soon as somebody else drives it, alternator dies. Well, I mean, they drove it for almost a week before it died. So, And I drove it yeah. for a week, and it was fine. So, I mean, how many times have we bought an alternator from an O'Reilly's or an AutoZone, and it's bad within like a month? Yeah, it's just so I don't buy them from there anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't going to spend $600 on a Subaru alternator. No, I don't do that either, but it's also annoying to try to find places to rebuild them now, too, so. A hundred percent. I don't have web auto electric here in Phoenix, unfortunately. So I just, the simplest path for this car was to buy a new alternator from O'Reilly's. It just turns out the alternator sucked. So, but at least now they know where it came from. And if it dies again, they can go back and get another one. So also there's no car in the world that's easier to change the alternator on than a Subaru. So that's like the perfect, like I'm 16. This is my first car. Here's my first repair project because the alternator is the first thing you see when you open the hood. <laughs> it's it's dumb simple to change. An experienced mechanic it can do an alternator in that car in like 15 minutes. So even the bumbliest of hack mechanics can do it in an hour, I think. Yeah, as long as the tensioner doesn't break. But yeah, well, it shouldn't have broken because it was just used. So yeah, nothing should have been Well, they also it's the rusty ones here always break. Sure. Well, that's not the problem here. So this is a Arizona car its whole life, so it was rust-free. But yeah, car's gone. Yep, out of my life, which is good because I would not have any space to put this other car that's coming on a truck next week if it was not gone. So, yep. 
That's it. Car's gone. So all the annoyance I had, somebody finally came through and uh, bought the car. So that leaves us with one car still on the market. We have that Kia Forte sedan, which has not had much activity yet, but that's a more expensive car. Uh, And there'll be another car on the market soon, depending on... I probably shouldn't have even gotten involved, but you know what? It is what it is. There'll be another car on the market soon. So if you're looking for a cheap car in Phoenix, we'll have an even cheaper one than the Subaru for sale next. So I'll spoil it. It's a Cavalier. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Fancy. The best. Send it to the Midwest. Sell it in an instant. Well, I figure all I have to do is slap a couple Juggalo stickers on it, and it will sell (laughs) real easy. But anyway, I, you know, it's funny. I, they probably only exist where you are. I haven't seen one in the Cavalier ever. <laughs> yeah, no, they probably rot it away. I mean, don't get me wrong. This car's not great either. There's no, there's literally no paint left on the top of it. What was the last but, year they made them? Oh, two. Yeah. So that body style. I, like, I don't know. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. I don't know for a fact that's O2, and I'm hoping that's not, because I don't want to know that fact. I'm pretty sure it is, because I went to high school with a girl that got one brand new, our senior in high school. Okay. And I was like, that's cool. It's also a piece of shit. I don't care if it's well, brand new. <laughs> 2005 was the last year in the United States. Okay. Uh, if you want one newer than that, you have to go to China. Definitely don't want that. Uh, nope, I am I incorrect? So let's see. In yeah, 05 was the third gen. There's a the Toyota best fact was that they were sold as Toyotas. I'm saying there's a Toyota Cavalier in Japan, <laughs> which if I had one, I would have to badge that way. There's a whole new Cavalier in China. It is from 2016 to 2021. It was not, it's not based on anything that was sold here, so I don't know what that is. And there is a fifth generation Cavalier in Mexico still today. Okay. Okay. So it's Cavalier, it's Cavalier hour. Hold on. So in China, they made the Cavalier till 2021. It ended in 2021, and they replaced it with the Chevrolet Monza. Man, all these great nameplates. In Mexico, that same Chinese Monza is available, but in Mexico, it's badged as a Cavalier. And it has a... 1300 cc inline four making 160 horsepower turbocharger that's not bad it's kind of it's kind of neat it's not the worst car i've seen but it's also not the best car it's it's a chinese built chevy yeah so it's a 1.3 liter 161 horsepower 170 pound foot Available with a six-speed manual. Why don't we get that car here? <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Anyway, that's your Cavalier fact brought to you by Brad is putting together a 
Cavalier kind of. Actually, it's more of Jordan's project because it's also it was a stereo car before. So, ah, yeah, it's probably why it exists. It never drove anywhere. It was full speakers. Okay, that also feels like a very Cavalier thing. That's why it has to have Juggalo stickers on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, on those Cavalier facts, that's been a podcast. So, uh, go join our Discord. Send us a message. And we'll uh, send you a link to get in. Is that it? We're just done? Oh, I thought I lost you. No, I'm here waiting. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, join us on Discord. Follow us on the social medias as long as they exist. That's right. And uh, yeah, we're on off topic on Instagram. Scale Autocast on Instagram. I am Raced and Anger on Instagram. Brad, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. All right, cool. So, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>